0: I get that way when I eat cake now. It's not fair. Cake farts? <sighs> yeah. Cake farts. Cake farts and cake. Cake farts are a thing. Cake all pains all night. It's just mm. I'm not doing cake well with like, Oh no. Maybe I'm getting old. I'm not doing well with the dairy. It's happening. Yeah.
1: It's happening to everybody. Ugh. Have you seen that video?
0: No. What's the video?
1: Cake farts? <laughs> what that's a video? Jump Cables, moment. have you seen Cake
2: Farts? <laughs> what the fuck? No, I think I've heard of it though. Uh, what have you heard?
3: I just know that I just knew for some reason that Cake Farts was a thing, but I didn't know what thing it was.
1: Oh. It's a video from like, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago at this point of a uh, this girl. She's walking around and she's like She looks like she's in charge, you know? She looks like she's... She's the boss. But she's not wearing pants. And she goes... And she stands above this cake... And she starts farting on it.
2: Uh Ugh. Why? It's terrible. Uh, I don't know.
1: But I could swear there's also other people in the background... Like, watching her do
0: it. And being like, ugh,
1: what? Why?
0: Oh, yeah. man. But I don't know. Well, that's what it says on Urban Dictionary, too.
1: Mm. Disgusting. What the fuck? All right. So, yep. secret Let's of mom for that.
2: And we are off to a gross start. Yeah. Our conversation just getting weirder and weirder. Anyway... Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Old Taku Connection. Week two of the big month of Lupin. At least if I've calculated things correctly. All according to K. Kaku. And uh, this week we're going with the alternate archetype of the one we addressed last week. Uh, last week was Cagliostro with the green jacket archetype. So this week it's Mamo with the red jacket. And interesting stuff going on in here. Well, see, it's getting harder and harder to do these pre-shows, it's like I'm running out of stuff to say, and uh, I just need you guys to talk to me, drop us a message, give me an email, hit me up on Twitter, I'm so lonely. Anyway, please enjoy. Oh yes. Secret of Mamo
3: <laughs> I guess that he really likes uh, those um, weird ass 70's prom suits or something and that uh, uh, he's a two foot dwarf
1: those uh, 16th century judge wigs <laughs> <laughs> yeah well
3: yeah, he liked it so much he grew his hair out like he look, that
1: he looked like a cross between a golden girl
0: and a Brady now that, it, that's an image.
3: He yeah. looks like he should be uh, related to uh, that tiny guy from RE4.
1: Yeah. He looks like, like a, a weird cousin that would show up on the Brady Bunch or something every once in a while with like some kind of degenerative illness. I've and sure the
3: episode, sensitive to Cousin Mamo's condition.
1: And the episode's about tolerance.
3: <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. Granted, it'd be interesting to see the Brady Bunch tackle cloning,
0: mm. and maybe like, Ian. yeah, football to the nose, indeed.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: That's the only episode I ever seem to remember with the Brady Bunch. Oh, just the football nose. <laughs> well, it's because
3: that's because that's also because they covered it in the movie. Yeah, Th- they- that's probably why. Then.
1: Yeah. Shoot, those are good movies. <laughs> I really like those.
0: How many did they make? Was it two or one? Two. Just well, two?
1: Th- no, there's three. There's three.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's three.
1: Uh, yeah, in the third one, uh, Mike becomes president.
0: <laughs> Whoa! Oh,
1: they had to like recast a bunch of them, but they got oh. Mike and Carol are the
0: same, I think. Well, I, I see. Because they got older. Was, I see. was that a direct to video? I think I so. That's why, yeah, yeah
3: probably. Uh, yeah, we are in uh, week two of our big month of Lupin, and in the previous week I gave you a kind of a movie which sort of featured the maybe the origin, but definitely the quintessential portrayal of the green jacket archetype in regards to Lupin, and I think Mamo might be the best depiction of the red jacket specifically the sort of more extreme end of the red jacket in the sense that Lupin's very much I wouldn't even say he's not really even say he's an anti-hero here as much as a pure neutral I mean I forgot that (laughs) we get to see some innocent bystanders straight eat it and Lupin doesn't even flinch at the sight of it just fucking
1: bails. I didn't remember that.
3: Yeah, when I all those people like, got mowed down at the them. the
0: cafe yep. or something.
3: Yeah, I think that's uh right before the big chase scene where the giant Optimus Prime truck goes after them. Yeah, yeah. It, the anime uh, starts off pretty interesting with this sort of POV shot of somebody walking up some. I don't know. I guess they're vaguely supposed to be steps, and then the first thing you see is uh. A written report via typewriter noises, which is kind of uh synonymous with lupin it's indicating that he was hung for his crimes and you know we we start the movie off with a bit of a mystery, but um maybe I'm getting ahead of myself uh Joe mm. uh, what do you think of Mamo both by itself and compared to Cagliostro?
0: I was not maybe because it's the the red the red jacket one or whatever you we were saying it's just kind of like the other side of Lupin? I did not. This is the upstream, mind you. I did not like him at all. The movie itself, the story I felt was a bit more... I wouldn't say it was better than the last movie, but it was a bit more interesting. There was more to it than the last uh, story in the the previous movie. But outside of that, I just wasn't... I wasn't really feeling this movie at all. I didn't... The one thing that really stuck out to me that I just couldn't get past was that it felt like the 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 art and the animations were kind of it was really lazy looking it didn't look as good as the animation and the, and the actual art of the previous movie and just the voices mm. seemed kind of off and uh, I was wa- I was just watching the dub version and also Lupin I didn't like this version of Lupin he just seemed like a perverted Bossy Dick. I don't know, man. He just <laughs> I didn't dig at, I didn't like him at all. And was her name? Fujiko. I did I especially Fujiko. didn't like this version of her at all. She just seemed uh just not a person you would like at all. I don't know. She just mm-hmm. uh, I just I don't know. I did I just wasn't really feeling this movie. I, I mean yeah. it, was, it was okay, I guess. It just wasn't Yeah, I wasn't okay. I didn't dig it that uh... much.
2: Uh, Mike, anything you want to add?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting you bring that up because I I did kind of find that the um Lupin was kind of he was a little more one dimensional. Even yeah. though they they took his characters, they took his character into some different directions, but really he was kind of like watching it. I was kind of like maybe I like I have a rose colored version of Lupin because <laughs> I I don't really. It's not that I don't like him, but it's like I don't. I'm kind of ambivalent towards him. Mm. He's a yeah. he's kind of one note, like, um, but they know it, and I I love that scene where they look inside his head. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just all jitters <laughs> and Zenny got a yelling.
3: I think in my notes I have it said that like a Lupin has the mind of a 14-year-old boy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Which I mean, it's played for comedy, I think, but I think actually yeah. the comedy worked better in Castle of Cagliostro. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the whole film is kind of – it's not entirely structured around – I mean, it is kind of structured around um, Lupin's relationship with Fujiko, and they were kind of um, – like Joe said, I didn't think it was an interesting angle, but uh, going back to the, the opening, I thought that cold opening was like really cool. Like the <laughs> the black and white and just the steps, it just felt like, like a throwback to like old black and white Kurosawa movies. Just like no dialogue, just like, bam, like here's, this, here's the this setup. That, that was a really good hook. I thought. Mm. And then mm-hmm. with the typewriter and everything, as far as, uh comparing it to Cogliostro. I actually like this better. I disagree with Joe on that. I, I also think it, it's a better looking movie. I was actually I had to I like I looked up cuz I wasn't sure when this was made and I looked it up and I was very surprised to see that it was made in 78.
3: Um, yeah, just a year before Cogliostro,
1: I believe Yeah, I thought it was it looked leaped and leaps and bounds better and I think a lot of it was just um I mean, some of it is kind of you know they do a little bit of cheap animation tricks where some of it looked a little weird, where it's like shots of someone and like the background's moving and their hair's moving and they hold on it for a little too long. Maybe uh, that's what it was. But in terms of yeah, I mean that's like budget shit. But in terms of just the the scenery and the and the color palettes, everything
0: is really saturated and it was it was just a pretty movie to look at. I really enjoyed just looking at it i th- I think what maybe did it for me, like I said, I found the this the story of this movie uh more interesting than the story of the previous movie, but I think what just turned me off in the movie so much was the characters because I really just did not like the personality of the characters. It was mainly just Fujiko and Lupin they just I just found them both disgusting. I didn't like them at all. they seemed mm. like the perfect couple I mean they just they play <laughs> oh, off each other so well, but as characters just trying to. I even tried my best to try and find something about them that I actually liked, but they just kept... They were, For one moment, they would really kind of like show some sort of... Connection. Yeah, some connection. sort of connection. And then a moment later, they're completely disregarding everything. And it's just... I just did... That kind of ruined the movie for me because I just could not stand their personalities. And the movie was so focused on those two that it just it made it hard to care about anything else when the, the main focus of the movie is something that I just don't like. So... Maybe that's what it was.
3: Yeah, um, I actually had it in my notes like uh, Fujiko and Lupin in this movie deserve each other in the sense that they're both just total sleazy ass people. Um, It really does help you to relate to both Jigen and Goemon in this feature because they spend most of the movie giving Lupin shit.
0: For good reason, though.
3: Yeah. Yeah, well yeah, he's thinking with yeah. his dick. Yeah. Yeah. God. So weird. Um while we're on the subject of Goemon, can I just say uh in this movie he looks like somebody like took him and rolled him in dirt.
1: <laughs> mm,
0: I didn't notice. Like, he's like weirdly brown and messed mm. up. Mm. And it was kinda weird too because those two characters uh, so it was going on and so what was the other guy's name i like, always oh, G- yeah jigen i like those two characters a lot from the the previous movie they were funny and they mm-hmm. kind of played their parts well but in this they just seem so on the side and the only times that they really were kind of really saying anything or interacting with anything is that when they were just angry at lupin for just being dumb so it's just they never really got <laughs> yeah. an opportunity to kind of really shine or just have
3: more they involvement get some with the movie small moments but yeah, I do. Kind of, wish we've gotten some more time with them. I mean, yeah. we get that bit of uh, the like various governments hunting down Jigen
1: and trying to get information
3: from <laughs> yeah. uh, Lupin and Mamo. <laughs>
1: good. Yeah, that was pretty funny. So, it in the dub, I, they they obviously went back in the early two thousands <laughs> and dubbed this.
3: Yeah, that um, I believe the dub and there is some interesting stuff. About dubbing but I re- I believe that dub because that dub has the um voices from the American uh, uh localization of the Red jacket yeah. series mm-hmm. yeah it's all the same voices from that show yeah and I think that's the last dub that was done for that movie believe it or not uh Mamo has four dubs made for it like One, you thought wow. it was confusing when cogliostro had two. But uh, Mama, yeah, Mama's got four, and the first I don't even think was made necessarily for Western ears, well, sort of for Western ears. It came; they made the dub soon after the movie premiered in Japan, for the intention of playing the film on like flights.
2: <laughs>
3: it's the rarest and hardest to find of the dubs. Um, I believe Streamline did another one. Manga did one as well. Streamlined Manga also did uh, Cogliostro for dubs. And I can't remember what the fourth, the fourth one was. Whoever does the Red Jacket series, obviously.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I not- I at least
3: I. Uh, uh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I just. I noticed that right away. I was like, oh, I recognize these voices from when it was on Adult Swim. <laughs> um, and then I also, it like it really put it into a time and place, and I was really questioning when the fuck this thing was made, because. Uh, when they're when they're on like a conference call with the president, the dude is doing a he's doing a, a George W. Bush impression.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> in a movie that's set yeah. in like the seventies, and they mention terror and there's a lot of strange political jokes going on.
3: I yeah. Was I yeah, was weird. Cul- culminating in that guy angrily calling Jigen a a Democrat. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. A little a little uh. I don't know if I want to say on the nose, maybe more like a little uh, too much for me, I guess. It's just
1: like... (laughs) 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 They really, like, they can't have been, like, I'm getting the feeling that they really changed a lot in in the dub that I watched.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think I read somewhere that, like, I'm not sure if it's the case with all the dubs, but there's at least another one where the impression they're doing of the... uh, President is, uh, I think it's Carter. <laughs> I'm not
1: 100. So. Yeah, that makes sense. That see that would make more sense. I was just I was watching. I was like, why does he sound like G.W. <laughs> the 70s.
0: Okay, that was weird. Uh, <clears throat> so, Lionel, I'm actually kind of curious. What, I mean, what did you what did you feel about the movie? Did you like this version of Lupin or? I mean, compared to the other movie, what were your, what were your thoughts for it? Um, well, let me uh, close out
3: the dub thing, uh, before, but I'll jump onto that. Um, a company called uh, Discotech did a release of Mamo recently that actually has all four dubs and a Japanese subtitle track on it if anyone's interested in you know this history. I think there's also some information about that on there as well in regards to A how I felt about Mamo and B how I felt about it compared to Cogliastro, I think um the uh previous episode we did should indicate my preference for the green jacket archetype. Mm. Uh, not that I dislike the red jacket, but um I'm more for you know, looping the hero versus uh looping <laughs> the criminal. <laughs> I like this movie. What I like about it is different from the first time I watched it. I think the first time I watched it it was one of the earliest uh, Lupin-related things I'd seen. and It was actually me getting to see a different side of Lupin compared to what I'd read about. um, The humor's there. The um, animation is fun. All the silly stuff. The physics-defying, driving, the weird uh, movements. The overall... um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in the previous movie, but one of uh, the the creator of Lupin III's uh, one of uh, Monkey Punch's influences is actually Mad Magazine (laughs) and I could kind of see it more so in this movie than the previous I I think my favorite part of this movie was uh, Mamo specifically something you don't really get in regards to Lupin related properties are reoccurring villains as a matter of fact Um, (laughs) I think the closest we got is a evil (laughs) no wait there's two an evil magician from the green jacket series and a time traveler also from the green jacket series who had one had a, I think a well both had TV specials, but one of them was a bigger release than the other one. And even then they've only returned once and only in one case was the return actually. Okay. This guy came back. What's going on? Usually uh, the movies, the TV shows, everything is very episodic in nature. So you don't really have, you don't really get, especially big villains. Lupin really goes more on the plot and whatever yeah. character focus they're relying on. So to have a see a villain like that in a Lupin related property was pretty cool. Um, uh, but in regards to, well, more so in regards to the movie. The uh, I guess one of my issues with it is that the. The depictions of the characters are more towards my least favorite depictions of them. I obviously prefer Lupin the Hero to Lupin the Criminal. Jigen's, Jigen and Goemon are pretty cool across the board, but this is clearly clown shoes Zinigata at work. Oh, yeah. As well as uh, Fujiko the Whore versus Fujiko the Super Spy.
1: Yeah. Zenigata was um, just there.
3: <laughs> he was he was crazy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was just there to be funny and to let everyone know that we didn't forget he existed. (laughs) Yeah, it's
3: a never-ending battle for relevance. I really like his voice, though. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, that that voice is perfect. In comparison to Cogliostro, well, yeah, again, if you listen to the previous episode, I clearly prefer it over this movie. I think there's definite value to both both individually you know as movies by themselves and as each being an equal part of the Lupin franchise overall i tell anyone who has to watch both Mm. i
1: feel like uh i feel like these two movies actually were very similarly structured in a way um but where where um kind of fails at at that um, I think is because it's villain is not as interesting, but Mamo actually kind of recovers from the strange, like a uh, second act um, ending that feels like it should be the ending to the movie. Yeah. Um, mm. But, but then it keeps going. And I was, again, I was kind of like, oh, it's still going, but it, it went into some, very strange territory. (laughs) Um, And it just got, it kept getting bigger, which was, everything about this, it felt more like, like the Lupin that I, well, I grew up, I, I didn't grow up watching Lupin, but from what I've known, it's like, he's kind of, it started big, you know, it felt like a Bond film. Like, you know, they're in Europe and they're like trekking all over the place and it's, and great locations and stuff. But then it just like, it, kept getting it kept escalating
3: Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah that's the thing I like about uh, the movie was specifically Mamo as a villain he is a steadily rising threat each time they think they've beaten him he comes back seemingly more powerful and puts the fear of what I was going to say puts the fear of God maybe puts a fear of him into them maybe maybe not everyone maybe everyone but Lupin Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially in uh, my favorite scene which is uh, Mamo making them think they're tripping balls and telling them all of history is his handiwork
1: (laughs) yeah I thought that was we talked to if any of you are fans of uh, not another gaming podcast resurrection not another gaming podcast again you heard me tell the tale of uh, the time Captain Kirk cuckolded Da Vinci but I digress (laughs) Uh, it was a a similar this is what uh, Momo's story kind of reminded me of because what actually happened in that Star Trek episode was that the guy he was Da Vinci but he was also all these other historical figures and he for some reason he lived on earth and he was immortal and he did all these great things and then he like left so that's kind of what it reminded me of and I find that very fascinating. Uh, just watching this make, made me think if one were to, you know, be immortal, like even if you start out with noble intentions or or you're curious about the world, like how long would it take for you to just become completely corrupted. Uh, it doesn't like touch on that directly, but one of the things I did think was um to me the most interesting dynamic and relationship in this was the one between Lupin and, and Mamo because Lupin is very much, you know, live fast, die young, fly by the city, your pants kind of guy. And uh, Mamo's the opposite. He wants to live forever and he wants to he wants to become a god and you know, he considers himself like this great intellectual and and Lupin just does give a fuck. <laughs> So I, I, thought it, yeah, I thought it
3: was a good it, villain to pair against Lupin. Yeah, they, that's maybe the best thing about this movie because um, it's very much like Mamo's God Complex against uh, <laughs> Lupin's skepticism, and um, they they uh, play against each other really well, and it kind of sh- like the differences in their worldview shows, and the fact that they really just can't seem to stand each other.
0: Well, I don't think it's so much that they can't stand each other. I think Lupin just doesn't care. <laughs> That's the impression I kept getting from while the while Momo just... He kept trying to want to understand him. I think at one point when he was looking into his dreams and he started freaking out, he, um, he called him yeah. a savant or something like that. It seems like he was... Because remember, he had asked uh, Lupin he wanted him to be immortal and all that kind of. So it really seemed like well, he was, he, he was, test- yeah. And it, what it seemed like he was really like, he was testing Lupin. He was just kind he of, was. he wanted to learn more about him. He wanted to understand him while Lupin just, he was just, you know, he didn't care about anything. He was just doing I what he does.
3: Yeah. I don't think that was his own fascination though, as much as, okay, Fuji, the, Fujiko says this is part of the deal. Right. But... Good point. Yeah. You wanted to, um, you wanted to please her. Yeah, I was kind of interested in that scene in particular, and I feel like there's maybe some level of this I don't quite understand. But if I had to venture a guess as to what happened when he looked like really, really deep into Lupin's brain and started freaking out, is maybe this is sort of like a Zen Buddhist-type ideal of enlightenment at work there when he says he doesn't seem to dream. That's the trait of a madman or a god or something like that.
1: It's like the dark knight. It's like someone who just sits around and and plans everything perfectly and then executes it to, versus someone who really just comes out of nowhere and brings complete chaos.
3: <laughs> mhm.
0: Yeah, that's a good comparison. Except
3: we're apparently rooting for chaos this time.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I kind of wasn't rooting for anybody watching this movie because I'm kind of with Joe on not really liking Lupin in, in this film. Yeah. Maybe not even like actively disliking, but just kind of not caring.
1: Yeah, me could have
3: gone and I would have been like, well, that was interesting.
0: <laughs> let see the big brain fly into space. Yeah, they pulled a mother brain there. It's like, what? Yeah, I
1: noticed that. It was... Was weird. That was interesting. God, that was so weird. They and they referenced like 2001 with all the planets lining up, <laughs> yeah. and then it's I don't know. Something about that was like when this movie started, I was not expecting it to end with a giant brain exploding <laughs> in space. <laughs>
0: yeah, being was, shot into the sun. <laughs> that was out of nowhere. <laughs> that was pretty. Yeah. yeah. But um, this version of Fujiko. I mean, in the previous movie, she just seemed like this hardcore badass army chick who's just kind of you know, taking control and doing everything. Well, in this one, she's just a whore. That's what she, I think that's what she was. Yeah. It
3: just there's, there's a reason why I call the two primary archetypes Fujiko the spy and Fujiko the whore. Yeah. Um, the M.O. of the character, and there can be some crossover between the two, like you could err on the dirty side of her, but she'll sort of seduce and lead on men, but never actually do anything with them. She she'll went, yeah, be like, you know, trick Lupin into doing stuff, but not necessarily with, you know, but you know, she displays a capability in, you know, using her feminine wiles, whereas not even so much here, but in some others, she'll just actively sleep with the villain, steal stuff, uh, actively leave Lupin mm. on and just steal from him. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing I can appreciate about this case of Fujiko is that she still holds true to one of the um, I guess my uh, one of my uh, favorite aspects of the character which is um, not just the favorite aspects of the character but my favorite aspect of her and Lupin's relationship is that they'll never give each other more than they think they can handle and when it comes down to it, when it looks like one is going to go, the other will be the first one to show up and you get little smidgens of that. I guess the biggest instance is the fact that she was trying to attain immortality, but had to make sure Lupin got it too.
0: Mm. And
3: maybe that moment at the end where the bombs are going off and she's refusing to let them go. Like, I remember liking that the first time I watched it and I still kind of appreciate it. But, uh, other than that, it's just kind of like the same note over and over. Maybe I'll give you sex. No, I'm not gonna. You're screwed. I took your shit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's so,
3: just a- spy. She's really more about disguises, working her way into whatever system. Sometimes using people. Sometimes waiting. You know, using Lupin or playing him against them or whatever. But. In that case of the character, she more often than not has, or is a bit more, is more noble in intention or deed. She'll usually do something to kind of redeem herself before she makes off with what Lupin was after. <laughs> Such was the case with Cagliostro.
1: Yeah. What the hell is that gem thing anyway?
3: Philosopher's stone. Oh yeah, the philosopher's stone. Uh, oh, yeah, the philosopher's yeah. stone. It's a yeah, an
1: alchemic
3: uh, artifact uh, believed to be the primary means of like creating and, and see, it's like an elixir of life or and or creating like a or some shit uh. which is probably how he cloned himself before the advent of various technologies
1: uh, I see because yeah it was just a little it was just I don't know he was kind of I liked Mamo but he was kind of full of exposition and I kind of tuned some of it out <laughs> he was just explaining uh. everything but uh, I, I really liked the, the build up like much better uh, fill-in, like, build-up where you you just hear his voice at first, and then gradually he's revealed, and then he's, like, a weird old midget. And then, and then he turns into a brain, and then he's a weird older midget before that.
3: On fire. He talks about how, um, I think, like, that last midget you see is a hundred and thirtieth generation of clone. Yeah. You know, how perfect he did it. They were like small um, screw ups for lack of a better word that, you know, <laughs> built up over time and this is what you got.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was wait, so was it like multiplicity where he was like a clone of a clone of a clone?
3: Uh I think pretty much. <laughs> I think I think that giant brain is supposed to be like uh What's left of the original?
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I got from it. But that's like that
0: the multiplicity. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that part confused me a little bit because I understand the cloning part, even though that's not. I mean, with clones, when you clone a person, that's not the exact person. I'm assuming that that big brain thing. Every time a clone was made, transmitted his his entire brain into that clone. I'm guessing that's how yeah. it was working. Okay. So well,
3: what I'm guessing is, is that up until the creation of that technology, he was probably just, um, yeah, that is a little confusing. It'd be like, he probably need like two or three clones just to perform the transplant or something. I don't,
0: so, it is
3: a little confusing once you start thinking about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing that kind of really, th- I'm probably thinking way too deep into this, but if, if we're if the main source of all the clones was that big brain, so does that mean the big brain came from space or something? Is that why he was set up that way? And and if he if that was true, why did he why did he make clones of himself that look so ugly? I mean I don't
3: Well he could he couldn't make like complete copies regardless. Like the base material he had every time he like recreated it would be it's like I basically take take the brain as sort of like the basic material from which he makes the clone um okay yeah this is getting confusing
1: where did he get all those nuclear <laughs> warheads
3: <laughs> right. I don't know it's just kind of he had a lot of time on his hands
1: apparently so he he was keeping like famous historical figures in his basement
3: yeah like or, or,
1: or were they clones
3: they were clones
1: okay because they never spoke yeah mm-hmm well then he got I was talking to was it Lao Tzu was
0: was he did, yeah did they show him speaking no you're, <laughs> you're right <laughs> yeah. it was, he, he just
3: shows him a picture of Lupin like have you seen this guy <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah um, I kind of I was I was interested in that but they didn't really dive deep into it I, it would have been cool to see yeah L-
0: whole, Lup- Lupin like talk to Abe Lincoln or some shit well he talked to Hitler we didn't talk to him he saluted Hitler what? I missed it. <laughs> yeah, he saluted Hitler. <laughs> yeah, like, like he freaked out and just saluted him out of nowhere. Like he said like Mind Fuhrer or something like that. It was, mm-hmm. it was, that was a And then Hitler didn't say anything. He just looked at him and he kept walking.
3: Um, yeah, there's a little bit, of, I want to say, in either one of the mangas, there's some, it's just some weird bit of trivia. Apparently, the origin story for Lupin's car in this movie, because it's a different car, than the Fiat. Uh, this car, which is sort of like uh, the car tied with the original depiction of the character, is supposed to have been stolen from Hitler. So maybe that's why he
0: freaked out. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. That happened.
3: Huh. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it happened. I don't know. I'm not certain.
1: Yeah. The timelines match up. When is Lupin supposed to take place?
3: Well, the characters are meant to be timeless, so I guess maybe when the manga first came out, I think it was in like the 60s. But normally it just kind of takes place in whatever timeline it was created, the specific story was created in.
0: Yeah. So one other scene that kind of, sorry, I'm just fixated on this bizarre version of Lupin. One other scene that kind of just scared me away from his character is that when, um, after he just completely, just disregarded all of his friends like they were nothing, just for her. And then how th- there was that scene when she was on the other side of the door, and he he wanted to, he wanted some bad. It seemed like he had that axe oh, and oh, when he, he gets breaking, all rapey. Yeah, and he was breaking down the door. I, I was like, whoa, what is about to happen? And he just rips off her clothes. And if he just mm-hmm. if, if that medicine or drug didn't kick in to make him go to sleep, I was I wasn't sure where that he was going.
3: Go. <laughs> Single up to the face.
2: Yeah, that was... Um,
3: <laughs> that was <laughs> uncomfortable, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... um, What is it? I want to say in one of the openings, you see Lupin pull that, and um, a boxing glove on a spring mysteriously pops out and slams him into a wall. Um, I was kind of expecting that to happen, and instead he just kind of hit the ground.
0: Yeah, naked. Yeah, he yeah but ah. probably...
3: I was about to say he probably hurt his
1: dick. Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking, watching this, I was like, if they made a live-action movie and it was with white people, they should, I think Ben Stiller would be perfect for Lupin. (laughs) Ben Stiller, like, 20
0: years ago. Only red jacket Lupin. Yeah. (laughs) I could see that. Tropical Thunder or Zoolander. That type Actually, of Ben Stiller. No, ben Stiller is a perfect
3: pink jacket lupin.
0: Yeah.
3: It's an archetype we won't really have time to kinda of go over in this month, but there's a lot of Lupin out there. Stuff to revisit.
1: Why does his personality change when he wears a different jacket? Is it like Superman and the different colored kryptonite?
3: It's more like Bond and different actors. Um the jacket isn't like... It's not like a hard and fast indicator of what kind of personality type he's really going to have. But um you'll usually see... It'll usually uh indicate like where the influences of the specific creator stem from. Um mm. You know, what their preference was in regards mm. to prior Lupin-related materials.
1: I didn't know there was a pink jacket on.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like the... uh least depicted there was uh, a series for it in one movie um, I have a s- uh, slight fondness for it in the sense that um, <laughs> Seijun Suzuki the creator of movies like Pistol Opera, Tokyo Drifter and uh, Branded to Kill is kind of like the secret godfather to Pink Jacket Lupin and that huh. he's worked on both the series and the movie
1: Whoa, weird
3: mm-hmm. yeah And, you know, the the wackiness is uh, very much apparent. It's funny, though, because as much as we talked about Lupin being a sleazebag in here, he wasn't as sleazy as I remembered. Like, when I first watched this movie, I was, like, just, like, aghast at how utterly slimy he was. For the most part, his biggest problem is he thinks with his dick.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's it. That's all he does. Yeah. Lupin. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: I kinda wish that we'd get more maybe not even just more villains like Mama. Look, like I kinda wish he was a bigger presence in Lupin, especially since the cloning angle lets you kill him any number of times and have him come back any number of ways. He'd be a, a nice character to be reoccurring in a Lupin series.
0: Hmm. Seemed like it'd be fun.
1: He's like the mm-hmm. uh the moriarty to to Lupin's Sherlock Holmes. Uh,
2: Sherlock
1: <laughs> Not really. He's big. Does Lupin yeah. have like a like a big like recurring enemy?
3: And if you were listening to earlier in the podcast, no he does not. Mm. And it's kind of like uh, one of the things I wish would, uh, you know, occur maybe in like a future series or something. But uh, we'll see. Only time will tell. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Only time will tell. Yeah. Crap, I didn't even think about recommendations. Um, uh, Obviously, there's other lupin related materials. Mm -hmm. This is a Skivier lupin, so. not quite the same level of skis going on here, but if you like this and you kind of like that old solo, sort of like, uh, saturated, just like the, like the dark colors here. Like it's weird. The color palettes in this versus Cochleaster are like literally night and day. Yeah. If you, you like that kind of color palette, that's just sort of, uh, I don't know if I should say like dark storytelling, but maybe just a darker vibe to it overall. There's older animes like uh, Go-Go 13. Crap, I had more than Go-Go 13, but I, like half of that fell out of my head when I was explaining. Uh, um, uh,
1: you should watch Bubblegum Crisis. You, you like pulled that out of your ass. <laughs> uh, you should watch... Um, I mean,
3: it's a good anime, sure, but... Uh,
1: <laughs> Sailor Moon.
3: Oh, God. Now he's just making things up.
1: I don't know. I I don't know nothing. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, Akira.
2: (laughs) Akira might be good. Um,
1: (laughs) Color palettes. Akira is much deeper and broader, and that's a way bigger budget. Yeah, there is that.
2: Plus, I haven't seen Akira. Yeah, outside of
3: uh, things like Golgo 13, maybe? Black Lagoon? I don't know I've been having a harder time recommending things
1: as of late.
3: If I you like
1: skeevy weirdos, you should watch Golden Boy.
3: No, but but Kintaro has a heart of gold. <laughs>
1: <Lupin> <laughs> That's why he's Golden
3: Boy. No, not this Lupin.
2: Mm. But he loves Fujiko. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess he does eventually.
3: God, those two are so annoying in this. <laughs>
0: I'm not even sure I'd call that love. I don't know what that is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Baby wants to fuck.
0: That's pretty. I. i uh, yeah. wants it. Yeah, I mean they both want it. It's just I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Ichiko didn't want it to the end.
3: The very end. Yeah. I don't know even,
0: In that scene at the very end When they were kind of well, It wasn't at the very end But when they were together And that weird Like that weird thing was rising up Or something when he hit the When Lupin hit the button And then when they finally got to the top and like a, And he was just like all over her And he just kept pushing on her harder And she kept saying no and laughing And no and laughing And then eventually she just kind of caved in And started going along with it So it's just They're just both messed up I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what's. It, it seems like they're
3: gonna have a heartfelt moment, and then Lupin goes for the nip. Well, I'm see, like
0: God. Yeah. God. Well, see. God. Well, that's the thing. Lupin goes for that, but uh, and then she just she just kind of goes along with it. I mean, she's resisting, sort of. But then after a while, she just seems like she's she kind of likes it, <laughs> and then it just gets weird, and and then it and then usually something happens and it stops them. He reminds me of uh, Jim Carrey in The Mask. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's exactly it. But it's just you know, that scene
1: where Jim Carrey, he, well, they, they change his face into like a. When he first sees Cameron Diaz as the mask. Yeah. But, uh, I, I just remind me when, uh, when Lupin's in the cage and the full moon happens. He's howling.
3: Yeah. It makes sense. In one of the dubs, they called him the wolf the wolf Yeah, uh, but no seriously any final thoughts from you two
0: uh, what are you going to say Joe I'm going to say I enjoyed the movie just not the characters that's, mm. that's pretty much it for me I I like the story a lot a lot more than the previous film I uh, just the characters bothered the heck out of me I don't know why
3: mm. okay let me take one last crack wait Mike did you have anything to say
1: yeah. Uh I it, enjoyed it. I was kinda of falling asleep at first, but it was cool. And uh so I had to pause it and come back. But like uh Yeah, I don't know, I enjoyed where they where they took it. Um yeah, I, I did, didn't think the characters were that Mama was the only really interesting character. Um, but uh, yeah it felt felt big like they tried something different and uh, it was cool I just wish they had you know it's tough when you have that many characters like they, I think there's a I've talked about this before uh, like seven is the amount that you, uh, an audience can follow and I think they're probably pushing some around that maybe a little less but it's it's still kind of like a lot of the characters are just there and they're just filling their archetypes. So, uh, I Mama was interesting, clearly, that was what they were uh, most uh, concerned with. But you said this came out before Cagliostro, yeah, a year before. Mm, that's interesting because it feels like it's a step down. Like, in terms of like they brought it, like they just grounded it, and like I don't know maybe it's a budget thing it's, it's weird, this feels just so much bigger than Cogliostro,
3: see, I kind of have the opposite feeling, but um, in regards to that, it kind of rewatching this kind of like possibly shed some light about a scene in Cogliostro, where Lupin's talking about like, yeah, back in my younger days, I was kind of a doofus. And I couldn't shake the feeling that maybe Miyazaki was taking a jab at this movie. But, uh, let me take one last crack at the recommendations again. Outside of a uh, Golgo 13, you know whether it be the two uh, movies released or the series proper, uh, if you happen to like perverted characters. <laughs> <laughs> There's a rather old anime maybe even a contemporary of this one called uh, Urasayatsura, Yatsura which uh, roughly trans- I think it roughly translates to shut up aliens or obnoxious aliens um, made by the same chick who did the uh, one half and uh, Inuyasha and all that other madness but uh, it's hilarious and the main character is a shameless perv you get dumped on by everything Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. I think we are good
1: Yeah. Should we say bye to the audience?
3: Um well I say bye to the audience in the uh my little outro bits. But okay. you can say bye if you want.
1: Suck my dick audience. Oh. No, just kidding. Oh. Bye. <laughs> I'll see you next week.
0: Ouch.
3: When he puts a little
1: eggnog in your face. Tune in next week's True Believers.
3: For those wondering why I chose two very much opposing depictions of this character for the first two weeks of our month of Lupin, well, um, uh,
2: stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, as always. Special thanks, as always, to the creator of the opening theme, Synthetic Highway. If you enjoyed the song and want to hear more, please check out the artist at Submorphine at soundcloud.com slash submorphine. That's, uh, Submorphine, S-U-B Special thanks also to the creator of the promo theme, Anime Raku. If you'd like to hear more like it, or just check out the artists, you can find them on facebook.com slash Squarion, S-Q-U-A-R-I-O-N. If you happen to enjoy Flash videos, you can check out Squarion's ongoing series, Project Stick, at Facebook.com. If you enjoyed the show and either want to catch up or stay up to date on the latest episodes, follow the network on Twitter at HeyListenRadio, on SoundCloud and on Facebook as hey Radio, or subscribe to us on Android and iTunes. If you just happen to want to talk to me or my co-host directly, say hi to me at Otake Connect. Bug Mike at Hyper 90s. 90s is spelled out, because Mike likes splutters and words. And Say Hi to Joe at NAGP Returns. Now, why did I uh, put the plug up front? So I don't run in... Or rather, run out of music like last time. And uh, sorry for the dog, I think Mike was house-sitting at the time. I did what I could. Anyway... The Big Month of Looping continues on next week with, uh, well, I'll let the promo tell you. Till then, have a good night, folks.
0: It felt like they were trying to make this more complicated issue.
1: Uh, like Pierce Broston and Daniel Craig both played Vaughn and fought each other or something.
0: Oh I mean,
2: God!
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Will jumper cables survive the third week of looping? Eh, probably not. I'd we'll find out next time in Green versus Red.